0: What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News.
1: My good friend David Wiley joins me as usual from Okanagan Z, the OZ. You can find it online at okanaganz.com and follow them on Twitter at Okanagan Z. And David, is not only good to hear from you, good to see you as we've launched video also on our new day. So a lot of stuff going on. How has your Thanksgiving weekend been?
0: Hello. It's great to see you. It's, it's been good so far. Uh, you know, just munching on the usual Thanksgiving fun and enjoying
1: family. Uh, that is awesome. And uh, yeah, uh, you, can, uh, you can celebrate in so many different ways. And uh, I think a lot of people in uh, the United States were celebrating after the uh, vice presidential debate because, man, uh, stocks of the weed variety were surging after that, weren't they, David?
0: They sure were, and I noticed it with my own stocks and didn't know why. And then you know you put two and two together and realized that uh, during the United States vice presidential debate, that uh, Democratic vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris had said that marijuana would be decriminalized under a Joe Biden administration, and that resulted in a whole schwack. Of cannabis stocks going up, um, particularly Canadian ones, big Canadian ones like Tilray, Canopy, Afria. Heck, even Aurora got a bump from that uh, that comment. And you know this this change would mean a lot of great things. It would mean that uh, the criminal records would be expunged. Uh, it would likely impact banking for cannabis companies operating in the U.S., allowing them to uh, to use a bank to get credit, or even just to open up an account, which they can't do right now. Everything in the U.S. is a cash economy. Uh, interesting that the comment was that we would see decriminalization across the U.S. and not legalization. There is a difference there it would mean that uh companies could uh, people wouldn't get in trouble for uh, having for possession um but it would still leave it up to a state by state basis to implement the kinds of uh changes that we would see in in different uh, states so it's a fairly fascinating development we're also seeing this coming from uh kamal harris who is the lead sponsor of the marijuana opportunity reinvestment and expungement act uh, the vote on that was delayed and that would also create uh, quite a few changes including removing cannabis
1: uh, as a schedule one drug which is absolutely ridiculous that uh, cocaine is uh, a is seen as a healthier drug among the schedules that the United yeah. States puts out. And listen, we talked last week, David, about the ridiculousness of more people being in jail or having, uh, you know, being behind bars of some kind uh, for possession than all of violent crimes combined last year. It's a yeah. ridiculous stat. It's a ridiculous fact. And this, at the very least, is one step closer to getting some of those people out of that situation. And then maybe towards legalization, um, you know, like the, in, in Canada, that's how it, it really did start out with decriminalization and then it ended up with legalization. So who knows where it could go, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Correct.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we want to see. We want to see people who are behind bars right now for really having a plant, smoking <laughs> a plant Uh, And that's ridiculous. So uh, fingers crossed that the U.S. does go in this direction.
1: All right, let's uh, jump into our next story. And uh, this is an interesting one from Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Yes, the man behind Facebook is also supporting decriminalization of marijuana.
0: Decriminalization of actually all drugs. And this was something that surprised me. Uh, I have tried to advertise a number of times on Facebook and that ad gets rejected every single time. Um, So to see that Mark Zuckerberg, uh, through at least one of his foundations that uh, is run by him and his wife, uh, to see this kind of support is surprising and uh, it's hope for optimism as well. So this foundation uh, has given $500,000 in support of measure 110, and that would decriminalize all drugs in Oregon. So cannabis right there uh, at the moment is legal, both medically and recreationally. Um, And this is a huge societal shift that we're likely going to be seeing here. Uh, the, The decriminalization across the board is gaining momentum in all kinds of places. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, Certainly, a a law change that would push more people toward doing things like uh, meth or uh, heroin or or anything along those lines isn't something that we want to see. But when you come at it from a different angle, and as a parent myself, to think about how I would want my children treated were they to, uh, God forbid, become addicted to a substance like this, I would want them to be treated as human beings and what this change proposes uh, is, is really a shift in the way that we look at people who ha- are addicted to these harder substances. It means that we don't look at it as a criminal element anymore, rather we look at it as a, as a, a health problem and that's something that we're seeing particularly in BC with the downtown east side uh, we're seeing that when you try and just put people in jail, uh, when you find them, when you uh, uh, persecute them for uh, possession or for drug use, that it really doesn't do anything to help them from a mental health perspective or a health perspective. So right now in Oregon, uh, you know, in 2018, there were almost 9000 simple drug Jeez. possession arrests. And it, that's actually more than one drug possession arrest per hour. And talking about the, the, the disproportionate number of people who are minorities affected by these kinds of laws, that's no different in Oregon, where we're seeing uh, people who are Asian, uh, Native American or black uh, being persecuted for drug charges more than uh, more than anyone else. So this is a fascinating change that we're seeing and, uh, and a surprising one too. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see some forward movement uh, happening
1: you know it might not be uh your cup of tea or her cup of tea or his cup of tea but it could be somebody else's cup of tea with psilocybin in it if this uh ruling does go through or this this policy and and, and it really does david kind of point out i think um you know how how somebody views another person in society that is maybe vulnerable. And listen, I'll, I'll tell you, it's no different uh, than, than how some people still and, and oftentimes, and it's getting better, but viewed mental illness. You know, they couldn't see it. So they didn't maybe think it was real. And some people think, well, I'm never going to get addicted to drugs. So that doesn't matter to me. Uh, but somebody in your family might or your friend. And it's, it's called compassion. And it's called a disease, just like mental health, just like cancer, just like diabetes. Um, you know, it's, it's something that it's unfortunately sometimes brought on uh, ourselves. But sometimes there are chemical imbalances in and there's hereditary things in our genes that take us down this path. So it, it all comes down to compassion in my mind.
0: Yeah, very, very well put. And uh, just thinking about our families on Thanksgiving even is a Mm -hmm. good time to reflect on how we feel about these kinds of issues.
1: It is strange that Mark Zuckerberg is involved in this because I, too, have uh, <laughs> felt the wrath of not being able to do any kind of social media posts on Facebook because it's not federally legalized in the United States. And the same sort of thing with Apple, right? Like you can't use, uh, you know, I can't use the the app on my iPhone for my volcano because it's not federally legalized and Apple is uh, staying away from from vapes. Um but you know what Esquire is not staying away from THC infused beverages and, and in fact uh, this uh, you know very prestigious publication uh, had a pretty cool article about these uh, THC drinks and the buzz they're making.
0: There's a big piece in Esquire about cannabis beverages and it makes sense because it's one of the more accessible ways to partake. This was written by Julia Bainbridge and she's well kind of a big deal published in the New York Times, Bon Appetit, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. She's also the author of a book called Good Drinks uh, which is an alcohol-free recipe book. Uh, her argument in this piece is that uh, tacky cans and THC overload is a thing of the past and now people are seeing cannabis drinks uh, as you know brightly colored uh, marketing, that they're tasty and microdosed, So there's less chance that people are just going to end up on the couch locked for four hours. Now for this piece, which, which is a great read, she talked to her friend Kat Turner, who uh, through the pandemic, she's an executive chef and has been working 18 hour days in the restaurant business. Uh, and as people do, particularly in the restaurant industry, uh, she's taken to alcohol in the evening and uh, found that you, a few too many drinks every night has really started to tank her productivity and led to bouts of depression. So uh, her friend had switched to two milligram drinks to relax and found that that was a big help. Uh, she was hangover free in the morning and really enjoyed them. Now, drinks themselves are one of the fastest growing uh, drinks among a really important group of cannabis consumers, and that's uh, curious female users who are between the ages of 35 and 55, and that comes uh, according to Tracy Mason, who is the CEO of a company called House of Saka, which produces cannabis drinks. Uh, beverages themselves are just generally more familiar and people tend to stay away especially people who are new to cannabis tend to stay away from smoking and want to have a different kind of experience uh, my own experience with these kinds of drinks is that they're they they hit fast now they taste great so they wear off relatively quickly and we're starting to see some pretty cool stuff um one of my favorite breweries actually the lagunitas in the states has produced an IPA inspired a hi-fi hops drink, which is one of the first ones in the U S to use nanotechnology. Um, so there's lots of, lots of changes. And it's really interesting to see, uh, that cannabis is being covered in bigger, more prestigious magazines. It's being written about at a lot more places, and uh, it's really starting to get out there and become normalized just through the media.
1: Yeah, it uh it really is such a cool thing. And you know, listen, you know, the whole summer barbecue season really didn't happen this year, where if it did, if we were in some sort of normal year, I think that cannabis drinks would be an even bigger hit. I will say they have to work on the taste um you can call it flavorless but you can't call it tasteless some of them are hard to choke down but this is also the very beginning right like i'm sure the first wheel wasn't perfectly round so i'm sure that these drinks are going to get better tasting but they are a great option for people and and i love i love they they come on fast uh then you're, you you uh, it's it's almost like having your two drink limit you wait your time for the uh for the off and then you're okay but it's uh the lack of a hangover i know golf trips camping all that stuff i was taking more cannabis drinks than i was taking uh, beer and and rum and rye that i that i used to and 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 going back to that uh, that article about uh, the the grogginess and the depression yeah i got a lot of that from from my alcohol and and you know i'd go on a golf trip uh 3-day golf trip with the boys and i'd be done for a week after so this is a great alternative and and as as she mentioned in there, she would go to parties and be a little bit more chatty. But she would feel great, so it's you know it's, you, you can start low and go slow and and not end up sleeping at the party because you had too many cannabis drinks, right? Like it, it really is a good. Um, I, I think it's just a great alternative. Actually, not a good alternative. A great alternative, I'll say.
0: I I quite like the taste myself. Mm, uh, really? You know, not every drink. A few of them uh, have have a little. Uh, <laughs> Not the greatest taste, if I can be polite. But some of the some of the new ones out there are are really wonderful. Yeah, the House of Terpenes uh, Limonene and mm-hmm. Sparkling Tonic is one of my favorites. There aren't uh, very many uh, alcoholic drinks that would even parallel that one for taste, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, the the only two that I have found that I can say actually tasted what they were supposed to taste like, unfortunately, is the House Plant uh, Grapefruit and the uh, Basecamp uh, CBD iced tea. The the other Mm -hmm. stuff is still a work in progress for me, but I did take your advice, and I used my very well drops in my coffee. Awesome. Totally works in the uh, for those great uh, wake and bake, uh, well, wake and drop mornings, I guess you might say, right? So uh, I will give you kudos to that. So there are always ways to work around that for sure. All right, speaking of work, uh, for those that are watching, they're seeing on the screen that, yeah, PBS travel guy Rick Steves is explaining why he is backing legal canna- or illegal cannabis in New Jersey. What do you think of this story?
0: This is great. Uh, the public broadcasting service, yes. uh, you know, basically the American version of the CBC and these these kinds of people are very accessible to folks who may still have hang ups, generational hang ups, even over cannabis. Uh, Rick Steves has actually been an advocate for cannabis for a long time. He was there even when the first states were legalizing Washington and Colorado years ago as part of that campaign. And since then has really been helping other campaigns in other states. And we have four different states coming up for a vote on recreational legalization, Arizona, Montana, New Jersey and South Dakota. So, so far, there are already 11 states that have approved recreational cannabis. Uh, it's really reaching an inflection point. And as far as Steve's is concerned, he says that uh, this is something that he really believes in. He, he wants to fight for the rights of people and really against the inherent racism that's involved in the war on drugs. And he says he believes that, that legalizing cannabis really is common sense. Uh, Steve's himself, he's he's a casual smoker he says and for him his favorite thing to do is to play the piano high it's it's fun as a guitar player myself i just love to get high and play the guitar there's very few things in life that compare to playing music with a nice little cannabis buzz on Uh, if you've never tried it i would say give it a shot Uh, i have to learn how to play music first though (laughs) you know it's pretty accessible, yeah, a few a few hours a week and you'll be jamming with the rest of us pretty there quick.
1: There you go,
0: there you go. Steve's is really fascinating in the sense that he spends about 100 days in Europe mm-hmm. uh, every year. It has done so for the last 30 years. He says that there are a lot of lessons the US can learn from Europe and particularly, and I love how he says this, the folly of legislating yes. morality. Yes, yes. You know, he says his European friends tell him all the time that society has to make a choice to either tolerate alternative lifestyles or to build more prisons and in the US they've chosen to build more prisons. So yeah, while it's technically illegal, cannabis is possession across most of Europe, uh, there are a lot more lax in the US and the Europe is much more of a gray area. Think about the Dutch, for example, where they're really famous for their easygoing approach to cannabis, but it wasn't legalized there, it was decriminalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's something to think about. So off the top, we talked about how we're looking at decriminalization in the US rather than legalization. Well, the U.S. pushed through a trade agreement in the UN that had required all signatories to basically wage trade sanctions against countries that flat out legalized cannabis. (laughs) <laughs> in Canada today is actually in flagrant violation mm-hmm. of the U.N. drug treaties that it did sign, making it a bit of an uncomfortable situation. So when we wonder sometimes why the U.S. looks at decriminalization over legalization, you know, if it were to legalize federally, it would be contravening its own piece of legislation. Um so something to think about there. And yeah, the idea that they're building prisons rather than uh, embracing alternate lifestyles is sad.
1: Yeah, well, you, you could rewrite that legislation. You know, what, what happens if half the countries that have gone down that path decide to legalize? Because there are over 50 countries that are looking at some sort of cannabis reform, whether it's decriminalization, whether it's legalization, whether it's just medical I mean, there's there's a lot of countries. I think that's going to have to be ha, have some sort of uh, uh, taken a look at because of the amount of countries that are looking at this plant. And and you know, it, it's true. We, we we can look at uh, you know, Amsterdam has been known as the weed capital of the world for how long? They're not legal. It's just decriminalized. It's just very relaxed. It's just a very um, you know, a, a, an open-minded look at it. So there's a lot of things I think that that could happen. I love the fact that Montana could be looking at this because now, now we can go down back and forth, uh, and on, on great golf vacations, there's some great golf courses down there and you can get your cannabis there because I don't know about you, David, but I am starting, not that I'm doing a lot of traveling with COVID, but when I do look at travel plans, I look at the, uh, you know, where I can access my cannabis because I do use it for medicine and I also do use it for recreation. So I think a lot of people are going to be like that with their travel plans over the next little while.
0: I think you're right. And I haven't seen very much of the world, but I have seen a lot of Canada and Canada is a beautiful place. So I don't mind just exploring our wonderful country. Uh, There's lots of great golf courses out here in the Okanagan, Dean. So you're welcome to come out and join me.
1: You betcha. All right, David, this has been awesome. Our first uh, video uh, of uh, vehicle of this show, and I'm looking forward to it, and our new switch on the Mondays, which I think will give uh, people uh, a little bit easier time of digesting uh, the podcast. It was getting a little bit tough in that two-hour format, but uh, I love chatting about the the good news and uh, the even better news when, uh, you know, popular people from PBS are promoting cannabis. It's a lot of peas in that sentence, but have yourself a great rest of the Thanksgiving Monday, David. And thanks very much for joining me on the program today.
0: Great to talk to you and great to see you.